here welcome to this week's fighting words episode uh, i taking a break from talking politics that's been a good run uh, making people mad i'm sure uh, but we're gonna take a little different direction for the next couple weeks got some uh some guests coming in and today i have with me the mighty craig chumland <laughs> hey craig hello donovan now why is this recording in mono oh well we'll fix that later um, Craig Chumlin. Okay, so for context, many of you uh, know Travis and or Alex, who are Redeemer members, one at each campus. We've got one at each campus, mm-hmm. keeping an eye on us. And you are, uh, they are your fault. Mm-hmm. They yes. are, yes. So um, ultimately God's, but through you, through this vessel, you're their father. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chumlin, that's an interesting name. Is that Norwegian? We were kind of talking before the podcast. What is that exactly? Yeah, it's it's a Norwegian name. So it uh, comes from a name of a village in yeah. Norway. So do you, How do you actually pronounce that, Dino? Chumeland. Like that's how they would say it there? Um, I don't know. Okay. I, don't, I don't speak Norwegian at all. Okay. So no well, idea. that's kind of what I meant, the roots. Yeah. But in, in English, in America, Chumeland. So you really, enu- you really enunciate that second syllable, Chumeland. Yes, I kind of run it together like Chumland. Chumland. Yeah. That's Chumland. Not right. That's not right. That's not right. Chumland. Um, cool. So, Craig, I've known you a little bit, you know, obviously through your kids, and you've been around Redeemer a bit. And uh, Craig's actually, well, you used to be part of Calvary Church for years, Calvary Baptist, which Correct. was the church that was, I would say, instrumental partnership in planting Imago Christi, now Redeemer Church. So there's some history and roots there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so just as I've watched you from afar and just, you know, heard things about you, people are talking, I thought it would be cool to have you on. And the reason is, um, it seems to me from my perspective, and maybe we'll find out otherwise that, um, as a businessman, who's also a Christian, Mm -hmm. you've, you've dealt with that. Um, and I'm sure you've had failures and successes, but you've taken seriously the call to, allow the gospel allow the truth of god to um impact how you run business you know, in, in various ways and, and we can talk about that so real quickly what's what's the business what is what is your company's name and what do you do sure sure the business is metal design systems and um we say it that we do architectural metals but um the best way to point to it is um on the exterior of buildings primarily um we make form the metal panels that you'll see on uh, a car dealership uh you drive up to a chevy and it's blue and silver yeah um and they got a big blue tower out front we make those um or in cedar rapids the federal courthouse has a bunch of brown metal on it and some white metal we provided that mercy hospital the um oh what do i say the lynn county building the public library so is this stuff mostly form or function? Like it, the, the building is functional, but you're doing an aesthetic layer? It's an aesthetic layer that has some function to it. So depending on um, what the architect designs. So What's the underneath? library is um, insulating as well as there's lights and other things for water management. 
Otherwise, some are purely aesthetic. Yeah. Um, and how did you get into that? Did you start this company or? Yeah. Um, I started the company in, back in 1999. Uh, I was in a family business up to that point um, in commercial roofing and sheet metal. Okay. Um, the Lord took uh, my wife and I out to Montana for a number of years, and that's where I got brought into the sheet metal trade. And it was more on uh, the mechanical heating and cooling side, but um, always enjoyed the creative aspect. So it connected commercial roofing and metal for me. And then I came back from Montana and um, joined back up with the family business and started them working sheet metal hmm. um, because they previously didn't. But I kept finding all these projects that they wanted something a little more exotic or unique. And um, so in 99, I decided that, you know, I wanted to start doing more of that. That wasn't fitting in the uh, vision and mission of my dad and my older brother. Um, so at that point I decided, you know, I'm going to step out and, um, went home and told my wife that, yeah, I'm going to start this business. And she thought I was mildly insane. We had four kids at the time and our fifth on the way. Hmm. Um, but, um, we stepped out in faith and, um, the Lord just started moving right away and bringing us things. So that's 30, 31 years. Something like that? 20. 20? You said, yeah. ni- oh, 99. 99. Okay, yeah. 20 years ago. Um, yeah, is the other business still going, the other family business? It is. What yep. is that? That's T&K Roofing. Okay. Uh, my brother is now running that, as well as he's expanded up into Minnesota. So, okay. um, yeah, he's done quite well. Good. Good. So, Metal Designs, you started that 20 years ago, and... Um, but just for sake, people have an idea of the scope of what you're dealing with, like company size. What? Yeah, so company size, we've got um, around 100 employees now. Okay, um, that's a good we, chunk. Yeah, we yeah. do work all over the U.S. and some in Canada. Okay, so I guess I will just dive right into it. You were talking about this a little bit before because I want to. Um, I'm just curious to hear how it is that you've seen the gospel. Um, impact your business, your business, you, you, you as a leader, the key decisions, strategy, and things like that. It's really easy for me to see as a pastor. I mean, a church is kind of a business. It's an organization, at least, you know, has mm-hmm. functioning strategy and leaders and that kind of thing. And it's very explicit gospel, right? It was literally what we're doing. Right. Um, but you're in a place where you're you're making a different product, you know, in a sense, or directly, Um to sheet metal uh and so you could easily just do that just just make metal and make money and that's it uh but you have key values that have been implanted into you by the lord by the holy spirit and Mm -hmm. you know you get from the word and from your community and then you bring that in um was that something that you originally like from the get-go said this is we're going to run this business differently and 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 here's some key ways or did that kind of come later as you no, I think I started with the intent of running it with those values, um, but I think it was more they were underneath everything, and so it was, let's do sheet metal, and that was our primary focus, uh, but as time went on and I started hiring more employees, um, and you're doing life together, I really, uh, the Holy Spirit started to show me that that life was not compartmentalized and to a degree I had 
Um, so this was my business. And so I would go do business stuff. This was my home. So I'd go do home stuff. This was my church. I would go do church stuff. And I recognized that there was um, not a continuity through all of that. That over here I'm acting one way and thinking one way. And over here I'm focusing on another thing and acting another way. And um, I needed to bring continuity to that. So I really got convicted about um, the need to have that consistency of something in all of that. Well, it was obviously needed faith to really start to form everything. So I was growing. Um, and when you say acting one way, say at work, mm-hmm. um, yeah, what do you t- explain a little more about that? What did that look like or feel like? Well, I think that a lot of it was that there's decisions that you have to make and there's some business world philosophies out there that exist out there that say, you know, well, it's not personal, it's business. And you can make a decision to do something that actually harms someone, um, but it's of benefit to yourself. And you can justify that by saying, well, you know, it's not personal. It was just a business decision. But in the end, you're still harming someone and you can't do that. Um, that, That's just not biblical at all. And so you have to start making decisions based on what is... um, good for all the parties involved so um, can i do this and love the competition can i love my vendor can i love my customer can i love my employees and do that but if a decision compromised one of those and there was some act in that that was somewhat unloving or untruthful we had to figure out a different way Hmm. so my mind goes quickly and i want to come back to come back to some of the key decisions and uh, values that you've implemented, but I guess my mind quickly went to, does this impact your bottom line? Like, yeah, 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 you're going to make less money if you uh, don't just go dog eat dog. Mm, No, Um, I don't, I, I haven't seen that nor felt that. I've actually felt the opposite, that when you do the things that are right, um, the Lord always um, finds a way to overcome that what you perceive as a loss um, becomes a gain and so you may not see it today but two years from now that customer comes back and says I remember when and now we're doing a larger project or a more profitable project can I push on you theologically a little bit you may that sounds a little prosperity gospel. Mm, yes. Like, um, uh, God will, you know, if you give, he'll return. Like, you know, you, your business won't crash. People won't hate you. You just do the right thing, and God will, you know, keep that checking account in, in a good good place. I can definitely see why it sounds like that. Um, I am definitely anti-prosperity gospel. Um, I believe that, you know, God could take anything from us at any point in time. So there's no guarantee of cause and effect in terms of do the righteous thing and blessings of financial prosperity will come. I don't believe in that at all. I believe in seek first the kingdom and these things will be added unto you. Now what these things are isn't necessarily money. Um, It may not be that at all. It's that there's a command that says, seeks first the kingdom. 
then God will worry about the rest. So you don't make a decision out of fear of loss. You make a decision because it's pointed towards the kingdom. Okay. And then God's going to take care of the rest. And the only statement I make is that I've just seen God yeah. move. Yeah, that's good. And I'll, I'll, you know, in support of what you're saying, it's kind of like Proverbs. You know, Proverbs aren't promises is what I would say. Like, or the way you raise your kids. Like, hey, work hard, you'll pay the rent. Like, well, not necessarily because tragedy happens and God has other plans. And But generally, right, it's a proverbial way of living. If you treat customers right, they'll come back. If you honor your partners, they'll honor you back right and then there's right. then there's the other level of the sovereignty of god and wickedness enters all that but generally if we uh you know plant and water mm-hmm. and so it'll grow right. right god will give growth yeah and it's 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 not that we've had perfect bottom lines in business because we have it all the time um it's you have to be faithful no matter what whether it be in blessing whether it be in suffering um, trial, uh, you just seek first and then the rest will fall in place. So there's this line of, you know, what's responsibility and what's God going to do. Yeah. And you're always walking that line of trying to balance that. Yeah. Look, so we can go a lot of different ways. I mean, before we started recording, you were talking about this, um, kind of the poles of, uh, margin and mission. Mm Mm-hmm. And kind of how those relate. Yes. Is that a good place to start or is there somewhere else that you... No, sure. We can start there okay. because I think one of the things we say a lot is, um, you know, if we don't have margin, we don't have mission. And the point of saying that is, is that we still need to focus on what we need to do um, and pursue it, pursue excellence within that. Um, make sure we do the right thing for our customers, but also for our employees, etc. cetera. Um, coming back to that, you never want to compromise one of those relationships. So how do you find that balance? So, um, you got to have margin to support the mission, which is the gospel. So we're focused on Christ and wanting to point people towards Christ. That's why metal design exists. It's a higher purpose than just doing metal jobs. Metal jobs happens to be how we support that mission. If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So the margin supports the mission, but you were also saying that it's like it's like a cyclical synergistic thing with the mission. The mission kind of upholds the margin in that, you know, when you're promoting the gospel, um, it, it circles back and it pushes that margin to where it needs to be and gets people functioning in the concept of truth and wisdom, excellence, all biblical attributes that we point to as to how we do what we do. Um, and then the why is here's Jesus. Yeah. What are, uh, so there's, that's one key concept. What are some other, um, again, either key concepts or, or decisions, you know, guidelines, strategies that you have, uh, implemented at metal designs as a result of your faith? Um, so I would say that, um, bringing more clarity to, um, the gospel in just communicating our core values is a big part of that. So um, as we stand in front of everybody and we speak about, you know, what we're doing, um, it's, well, here's truth. Well, we, we can all say things like truth or like excellence, but 
you know, what is truth, that, that question, right? So we point to scripture and say, here's where truth is found. So there's the basis of our primary core value as we pursue truth. In there, we find wisdom, excellence, and how is that defined? Um, so that's been a part of bringing clarity. And then also um, with my leadership team, um, being far more vocal on the gospel, how it plays out in their life. Um, not everyone is loving Jesus um, in the organization. So we're not surrounded by all believers. Um, and that's not a requirement to work there. Is it a requirement for uh, high-level leadership? No, it is not. Um, so it's desirable. And we can talk when you want about um, our succession planning for me departing. That's a key part. Of... Yeah, I'd be interested in that, by the way. Okay. Yeah, things are looking pretty rough at church right now. Oh, so. okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, come on over, fill out an app. We'll take a look. <laughs> start, at the, start at the very bottom. <laughs> but um, so it's, it's a key part of uh, the future leadership and making sure that the gospel remains. So I'm 55. Um, I'll probably hand off to generation two. Uh, we talk in the concept of gen one, gen two, hand off to gen two in five to 10 years. And part of our DNA has to be the gospel. So how do you weave that in without having this requirement, so to speak of, you know, you have to be, um, at this level of faith or what have you, um, because it's hard to know the heart of a man beyond its wickedness and its deceitfulness. Um, there's the baseline. Mm. So how deep are they in relationship with Christ? Because that's who we want to lead the company is Jesus. So um, has he been dying to himself and is now living towards Christ? And um, do we see that in fruit in his life um, for his family, for the business, and then also his church community? So... Um, so technically, legally, like you don't have it written that, let's say the, what is your role there? Mine is CEO. CEO. Mm -hmm. The CEO needs to be a Christian. No, we, really? we, we don't write that. Um, there, there's an aspect of here's our culture. Yeah. It could kind of sort itself out in one sense. You know, right. like you were, if you're really, because there's going to be synergy mm -hmm. and you're going to be embodying the things that the influencers body mm -hmm. and you know you'll you'll discover that right um, so it's a private company not a public held company so there's some different legalities um, that we can work with that make it a lot more flexible than if we were say a publicly held company mm -hmm. um, that becomes a little more challenging um, but I do know leaders of publicly held companies that stand for and promote the gospel uh, within their organization so but anyway um, it's really about how do we weave this in everything we do? Um, there shouldn't be segments of life that are untouched by the gospel because the gospel is a solution for everything. Um, it's, you know, we can look at the crating problem. We'll say we're having damage by truckers. Okay. We, we aren't necessarily going to go to um, the word and find, yeah, you should build your crates, you know, three cubits by one cubit by one cubit, and then that'll solve your problem. 
we're going to go to the pursuit of truth. What's the truth of what's going on here? And why is that happening? And then how do we solve that? And what does every party in this need? Because why is it happening for the trucker and stuff? So we're going to grab that problem and say, all right, let's pursue truth because truth is one of our core values. Remember that there's truth to be found in all of life. And our primary place to start is the scriptures. Truth is we're dealing with a large group of people and somebody's not telling us what's really happening. Let's find out and then let's solve the problem. So it's a small little thing to point to, but yet there what are it some is. other core values. Um, excellence. Okay. And you so, mentioned them earlier, uh, kind of as subsets to truth, like wisdom, okay. wisdom. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so the aspect of learning and growing um, as individuals. So we exercise that in two ways. One, we want to promote the gospel and expand people's knowledge of the gospel. But we also want to expand, say there's an unbeliever and they want to grow in some aspect of their life. And um, we have financial planning classes or parenting classes. Uh, we have a you have on, parenting classes. We do. We have an on staff chaplain that then also kind of monitors the spiritual health of the organization. And if there's um, financial needs or marriage issues, um, we'll point them towards counseling. Okay, that's a huge, so let, let me let me, uh, let me pause there. I wanna come back to the chaplain issue because that's a key decision that you've made that's really mm-hmm. would uh, b- distinguish you in the business community. Um, when you said we want people to grow in wisdom and so you, you we said we promote the gospel as in, as in uh, you, do you do Bible studies or like you promote resources or what's that look like? Yeah, we, um, we've had Bible studies. Um, and in fact, um, myself and a gentleman that um, used to work with us, uh, he was a, um, a Hebrew Roots church member. So kind of a, a messianic uh, believer and um a lot of people were asking questions about well how do you two get along because you're like christian and he's almost jewish yeah and so we said well tell you what we're gonna have a class and we're gonna walk through scripture um in its totality so we'll do this over eight weeks and over that eight weeks we went through you know what does this mean to us creation what does um the virgin birth mean and why is that important and what does uh resurrection mean and why is that important and how did that play out with him in terms of context of jewish law and pharisees etc and it just revealed a lot of similarities but everything still pointed towards christ Mm. um but we also were able to show that you know look we can have differences in how we view some of this but the primary things are still the most important things is what is the truth jesus says i am the truth light in the way so we both agree on that we both agree in the virgin birth and so we kind of went through those basic doctrinal things but he likes to uphold the law as much as he possibly can because to him that's his, his way of serving mm-hmm. so we've done that uh we have a prayer group on thursday mornings um that just meet for 45 minutes and spend time praying together. We have what's called Max Care Ministry, um, and that's where the chaplain kind of functions, um, but it's focused on um, community involvement. So 
if an employee happens to some of the examples of what we've done, uh, one was involved with a local school's marching band, and they needed some carts made for equipment. He's involved in the community, so we're going to support that. So he submits a request for funding. And so we've done that, but we've also done things for Keys of Living, um, different ministries throughout. But there's guidelines um, within that because it can't support satanical activities and um, it's for people not animals stuff like that so that whole ministry is structured around that chaplaincy being able to draw people out to serve in the community to serve in the local body but then to bring that back in and identify where they need help because the truth is Statistically, 50% of the marriages in our business are in peril, um, some level of issue. So we're constantly um, trying to draw out that if there's a problem at home, you know, you can share with the chaplain and not with your direct report so you don't feel like you're a burden. But if you need time or you need counseling, you can go in confidence and get treatment for an alcohol problem that you don't want to disclose. So this is a, a line item that you've added, obviously, to your budget, which is pretty, um, I don't, yeah, I would say it would distinguish you in the in the business community. You know, and you, if you say, hey, we're going to run a metal, designs comp- a metal design company, you're not an, uh, intuitively going, oh, we need a chaplain. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to open, run a burger joint. We need a chaplain. Like, So the chaplain, um, you know, is someone who's a, a spiritual guide. Correct. Counsel. Uh, teacher shepherd that kind of thing that you've said we we want this in the organization and again back to the uh margin mission cycle mm-hmm. one you want to care for your people and and do that be, be that gospel presence and i'm sure you also believe that if your people are cared for then you're going to have a healthier organization and kind of that margin mission right cycle um when did you make that decision to bring in a chaplain I'm going to say it was probably four years ago. Um, I got five years ago. I got involved with an organization called C12, and it's a Christian CEO um, group that we meet once a month. Did you say Christian CEO? Yes. Okay. We meet once a month, and the chairman of that, um, his name is Brent. One day he challenged me. He said, "Well, okay." Um, you presented your financial budget to the group, which we have to. So um, it's a very transparent thing. You have to go. You have to prevent your, present your entire budget, your strategy, your mission, all of that. Um, and he challenged me one day and said, well, where's your spiritual budget? Hmm. And, you know, I'm kind of like blink, blink, what? The whole thing's spiritual, bro. What are you right. talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so he pushed real hard to say, no, you need to be focused on that. Well, then... I said, you need to show me some things. So he brought in a company from Chicago that has a uh, very focused effort and ministry um, towards their people. But the one thing that I noticed about that was they never mentioned the name of Jesus in what they do. And so that was one thing that, that as we stepped back, looked at it, I talked to the leadership board and said, we need to do a spiritual budget. And I got a lot of, you know, like, well, why? Hey, what, 
the reason why. So that was an opportunity to explain a lot of things in terms of why that was important for us with margin mission and upholding the margin in terms of how we have the health of people. So you just said that. So anyway, we put together and said, let's, we're going to do 10% of our bottom line, um, right to max care. And then within that, that committee, um, will decide where the distributions are, whether it's benevolence, community support, um, the chaplaincy wouldn't handle the benevolence side of things. Um, and that got going. And we also take mission trip. Um, COVID has definitely shot that uh, for us, but um, we did have a mission trip down to a um, area down in Texas. And so Max Care Committee, put the word out, employees, we paid their way down. They would spend the weekend, um, long weekend, and we'd get them back. Um, it was a great experience. Um, and the cool part is that even on Max Care Committee, one of our biggest proponents um, is a professed atheist um, that absolutely loves what we're doing hmm. um, and says that she sees this being lived out and so there's value in that in terms of how she's perceiving, you know, how a Christian organization functions. Um, and she's still passionately involved in that. In fact, she runs our uh, financial side with our smart dollar, which is the Dave Ramsey thing for the whole company. So she's doing that and loving it. Um, so yeah, that brings up a, something I was thinking about. So there's a positive reaction from someone who's not a believer, but you know, obviously there's plenty of hate for the church and Christians and God and all that. Like, and, and because not everyone you in your company, let's just start there is a believer. Correct. Have you experienced any degree of hostility, kickback? Why is this in my face? Like, um, not a not a lot. I, th I think I, I had one individual that was very skeptical um, and would be harsh at times about it. But uh, you know, um, no. I mean, we we had someone who transitioned um, from male to female within one of our departments, and you know that's a challenge in terms of how do we address this? How do we you know go through this legally? But then how do we do this spiritually as well? And that was that was a major, major challenge. But um, that individual ended up leaving the company, but not on bad terms, but on great terms. Um, because they had a different plan and where they wanted to go. So um, they left not angry or feeling like they were rejected or hurt by metal design because that we don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So that was a real challenge, though. One of the more challenging things, and that was where having C12 um, there to help me um, through that. What's particularly challenging about it? Like, do you view that? Well, so obviously that's antithetical to the to the biblical worldview, right? But is that a place where you? Um, I guess you don't feel like, yeah, but that's outside of our. You know, do you view yourself and your role as as calling people who aren't Christians in your organization to live in light of, you know, in light of the gospel? Like, if they're, 
I'm sure you have people that are having premarital sex or living, shacking up together outside of marriage or that's not, yeah, how do you approach that? You, um, you approach it with, uh, you know, here's what the Bible says. Um, and that to me is truth. Yeah. And they'll, they'll maybe push back and say, well, I don't believe that. Yeah. All right. Well, there's a reason that it says that. And if you really want to know and understand why I see that as truth, I would love to spend time with you. But in the meantime, we have margin and we need to focus on that. So you've got outcomes that you need to accomplish. Um, it's not my job to save them. Um, it's my job just to speak what the truth is in love. And so like the person who transitioned, I wanted to make very clear that that person was loved and not hated in the context of what they were doing. So it's really a unique situation because you, you, in a church, it's very explicit gospel and it's understood. And that's the reason we're all there. Well, mostly, <laughs> um, and then you have Christians who work, you know, somewhere else, but the organization they work for is not explicitly gospel centered. So there's a, they kind of sometimes, depending on the culture, either got to shut up or be more covert or something, you know, like it's going to depend on the culture. But you, mm -hmm. you're, it's unique because from top down, you're being explicit with your faith and beliefs, but it's not just Christians working there. So right. um, it'd be tricky. Um, so let's say you're walking that, that line of, hey, when do I take opportunities to speak and share, but then also realize it's time to back off and get the job done. And yeah, I mean, if you're just hounding them all the time, I mean, that would be a lack of wisdom, mm -hmm. really. Correct. All right. So yeah. there, there's an aspect of, of just walking in truth and love. And so what's the most loving way to approach this person? Um, it's not to beat them up. Um, they're here to work. So that in their mind is why they walked in the door that morning. Right. My mindset's different, but um, I'm not there to demand conformity to, I mean, and then it's just conformity. Um, they're saying the right things. Um, it is to just live the gospel out in front of them and always be prepared. So um, other believers that are there um, also walk that line because legally, um, there can be troubles if they're sitting there pushing and pounding and hounding yeah. and doing the same thing. So organizationally, we have to talk about how far do we go and how do we see that in terms of evangelism inside the walls? Well, it needs to be very relational. So if you're going to take this guy and go have dinner, talk to him if you want to talk to him. But don't stand in their cubicle all day citing scripture and saying, this is what you need to know. Yeah. Um, form a relationship and work on it. So there's a dynamic there of trying to guide that too. Yeah. Um, one of the characteristics of a, an evangelistic person, which I perceive you to be, is boldness. Not, because uh, there's a lot of opportunity for fear or shame uh, to come in and just say, well, I won't, I won't speak. I mean, you, you really come out of the closet. <laughs> you're like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's just full on there. Um, is that something that you've, that God gave you early on in your Christian walk, a boldness for, you know, being known for his name? Or is that something that developed later on? 
I think it's developed more later on. Um, I was talking to somebody and it was like, you know, I think I'm more, some would, I, I was told I was reckless at times with my faith in the workplace. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I feel like as I've grown in my doctrine and uh, my theology of, you know, the sovereignty of God, that there's less and less fear that exists um, because it's like, well, I can't be silent. So it's it's come out more and more. So I think the, uh, the phrase reckless might apply in one way in that I'll just get out there and I'll say it. Yeah. Um, I'll stand in front of all the employees and I'll talk about Jesus. I'll read, you know, the gospel at Christmas, you know, when we're all sitting down, I'll take that out and read it um, because that's why we're celebrating. And whether you agree with this or not, that's why I've organized that we want to have a Christmas gathering. So, yeah. When I think it's one of those ironies that you would think, well, if you, if you're that guy, then you're just going to repel everyone. But the reality is you haven't, you know, God has given you a team, given you, uh, you know, favor with the city and business community. And there are, there are non-Christians at your workplace that aren't running away screaming. Um, so I think, uh, um, yeah, I think that's generally, a people are afraid of pushing everyone away if they're, mm-hmm. If they're bold. Now, I think if you're just bold, you're just a jerk, right? But if you're right. just bold and loving and gracious mixed with wisdom. And mm-hmm. you know, there's this whole thing you're bringing that's kind of uh, uh, it's kind of compelling, actually, right? Well, there, there's an aspect of, okay, so we're, we're going to come to this place. We're going to live eight to ten hours a day. I probably have more time with individuals than maybe their spouse does. Um, because they're going to go home, eat dinner, play with the kids, and then go to bed. Um, so there's an aspect of, uh, you know, just getting involved in life and understanding where they're at because this, we're all fallen, right? And we need help. So there's there's an opportunity there that's so rich to just have someone brought into your life that has a need and then step in in love and... The reason you love is because I was loved first, right? So you can step in and say, let me help you. Um, And here's the gospel because this is going to solve what you need for life. But I still need to help you with your financial problem or whatever's going on, your issue of marriage. So what about how this impacts your relationships with uh, your peers, right? Other other business leaders, not the guys at C12, mm-hmm. right? But so we can see how it works in the workplace, and you know people are depending on you and your company to some extent. Like, but yeah, now you you're there's other people you interact with, which is other people that are involved in the construction business, and you know you're working together. Mm-hmm. Does this does the explicit nature of you know Christ? you know, at metal designs come out there as well. Yeah. Um, you know, cause you'll, you'll talk to another guy that owns his own business and he's talking about his problems with his employees. Um, and I can say, well, you know, do you know what the root of that is? And, um, draw him towards that. There's, there's a problem with humanity and then say, well, how are you addressing that? And typically you're, well, it's not my problem. 
And then I can say, well, here's how we address it. And this is what's been a benefit of, uh, of doing that. And I can point to that. Um, I think some of them might think I'm a little nutty. Yeah. Um, a little wacko. But um, I think that's normal. So I'm okay. Yeah. Well, and that gets back to a little more, bit of what I was saying earlier that it is a little strange. But if that's all you are, then that's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's off-putting. But if you're also the guy who works well with them, is encouraging, shows personal interest, and it's like I said, it's kind of compelling. It's like, oh, I don't know about this Jesus thing you got going on, but you know, they generally enjoy their interaction with you. You seem competent, mm-hmm. you know, and we can do good work together. And it's it's not as easy to just reject. Yeah. You know? Well, and I think if if there's consistency behind it, whereas if, if the actions and the words match, then that's a good thing. But if I'm just out there, just, you know, a clanging gong, making a bunch of noise, but not really doing what I'm saying. Yeah. That's one thing. But, you know, we're in the process of um, moving the plant and we have to hire architects. So that's a gospel opportunity to really talk with um, those architects and say, this is what's important to us. And now you're walking through all the aspects of values and how we want what we do even in the design of a building to align with that how do we have a public space make it shaped like a cross (laughs) that's christ-centered building there we go yeah four wings Uh uh-huh um what about you've got you know some people out there that are say in our in in this audience right now there's some people who are business owners who can start to think about Maybe they're already down this path a bit and some things are being triggered of new ideas or or maybe not at all. And they're like, wow, I need to think about what this looks like in my business. But the majority of people don't have that um, uh, leverage or, you know, freedom that you have to make those top down decisions at your company. Mm-hmm. So they're just some company and they're there. Maybe they're a manager or have some influence or something. But how do you. Have you had the opportunity to speak into people's lives, coach them in that way when they don't have the the ability to do a, a, a Christian overhaul at the company? Right. Yeah. I mean, I have from the standpoint that I think Scripture offers, um, it, it talks to slaves and masters, but the, the picture of being um, without, um, sorry, I'm losing the word in my head, but... Um, performing your work in such a way that it's better than everyone and anyone around you so faithful in your duties to the one you work for um there's a guy that that works for us that he hardly says anything but he screams um the gospel from an excellent standpoint so people know he's a believer but he doesn't really say much but he works so hard and does such excellent work that people are looking at him and going, wow, that guy is, what is it about him? And so he gets asked that and gets to talk about it. So I think from a standpoint of when you're not at liberty to do that, it's how do you engage those around you relationally to be involved in their life um, and let them speak to you and then love on them? Um, because that's the key is to love them and then you can offer the gospel when that's right when it's time to present that yeah we did a um, 
uh, sermon series actually several years ago called Work Matters, and it was, I think we took the title from a book called Work, Work, Work Matters Yeah. by Thomas Nelson. Um, and uh, yeah, Excellence Working Excellently is part of that. And you just touched on something, which is a point I always make, uh, which is you're not actually constrained by the workplace. You're only constrained by the workplace at work, assuming you are. Mm-hmm. But if if the assumption is, well, the only time I can share the gospel with these people or build relationship or whatever, talk about stuff is when we're at work and we're under these constraints, some of them with time restraints, I need to be doing my job. I, you know, maybe the, the there's policy actually against these kind of things. Like the the breakout, the breakthrough, I think, is when you realize, oh, wait a minute, I can just invite this guy over for a barbecue. Mm-hmm. We can go to lunch. We can like start to build those relationships. Right. So the there there you are under constraint at work perhaps but that's only when you're at work so there's mm-hmm. plenty of opportunity to break out beyond that right and build those relationships there there really is and in fact i mean that's that's the key point is um that's where you're going to really get to the heart of what they struggle with anyway um when they're not at the place where they're trying to be professional and keep it all together um you're going to see a different thing out at home and there's a part of um, recognizing that when you're in a place that you're there purposefully, you're not there by mistake. So life isn't just this random set of um, things happening all around us. And then there's some spectacular event that has to happen that is the gospel event. It's uh, the common um, of life that, that we really can carry the gospel forward. So in other words, when you see that you work with these three individuals and if you really look at it and go, God has brought these three people into your path, into your life, and that's an appointment. And to embrace that with a gospel mindset is, well, how do I carry forward in that? And here's limitations over here at work. I need to break those down and get rid of those. Well, I may not be able to do it here. So you've got to move and shift into a place where I can break it down and get rid of those limitations. Just what you said, go to a barbecue, but get to know them personally and find out where you can love them in their life because they need that. They absolutely need it. So everywhere you go, whatever it is, you're you're constantly being brought these appointments and it's embrace it for the gospel. How? Sometimes it's not always clear, but um, because you can feel like you're just being bold to be bold. Sure. Um, so what about people that are out there thinking, yeah, man, like I want to grow in this. I want to, man, this is interesting, compelling. I want to, you know, stretch, be stretched and challenged and thinking through my approach to business and mm-hmm. What do you? How, what would be some coaching or direction? I would. I would probably the first recommendation I would make would be like get engaged in C12. Um, I there's other organizations like Vistage, which is a secular CEO group, so they're not going to point you back to the gospel. Or there's authors. John Maxwell is one that covers a lot of business, but um, you know. As with anything, C12 or John Maxwell, it's always go back to Scripture and double-check context and make sure that it's in alignment with what Scripture says. But pray about it a lot because you 
where does God want you to take what you've been entrusted with? Because you're going to leave it. So where does God want you to take it to so you hand it off? What are you going to do with it? Yeah, and I do think, uh, well, you mentioned C12 or even just others others that are thinking this way, you know, help sharpen each other and um, and it, keep it on the mind. You know, you mm-hmm. could go 5, 10, 20 years and not think about this at all and just, just run your business. And, right. And I'm not saying everyone should needs to run their business the way you do specifically, but I would say uh, it's incumbent upon you to ask yourself what how does it play out in our business in our life and and there are things that are inviolable like you can't have a a, a divide well this is just work and here we do straight capitalism you know mm-hmm. like an unfettered unchecked doggy dog like no 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 there's there's implications for you ethically and there's opportunities for you i think is what you're say, saying also is that um what God has entrusted you with, right. right? It's not just, well, how do we not be bad, but how do we steward the dozens or hundreds or thousands of people that we're going to interact with mm-hmm. over the course of, you know, decades? Right. Yeah, there, there's there's an aspect of um, looking at the, the touch that a business has. And in reality, um, when someone is working for you, um, you, you're engaged in their entire family. Um, and everything that goes on in that household is going to impact what's going on in our business. And so that's a good starting point is to really start to look at how you best serve um, because that, that's what Christ modeled for us, servant leadership. So that, that's another one of the core values is servanthood, is that as a leader there, that's going to be one of the attributes that we really see in you is that you're there to serve others, not to promote yourself and get ahead. It's how do we make everyone around us better? Um, so that's a good place to start is look at how Jesus modeled that for us. Um, washed the feet of the disciples, called them the truth, demonstrated wisdom. Um, so all of that was there for them to view. So do they... Do our employees see that in us as they view us? Because you can't escape it. Um, they are watching and they're looking. So it's a platform that you can waste if you're not careful. Yeah. What are some of your favorite, I don't know, stories over the years of how you've just seen God work in the workplace? Um, I would say one would be... Um, one conversion in particular, um, a young lady that um, grew up Catholic um, that we walked through the gospel a number of times and it was amazing to watch because we walked through um, the law of God and, you know, are you innocent or guilty type approach. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Way of the Master. Uh, but there's a little bit of that approach where, you know, are you innocent or guilty? And, and we spoke about it one night um, while she was working out in the plant. Well, then the next morning she came back and she says, I, 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 I got to follow Jesus. And uh, she's like, am I supposed to say some prayer or something? And I'm like, well, that's not going to do the thing, but you can pray to God and, you know, talk to him, tell him what you're thinking. And 
Um, so she did, and it was a repentant heart. Mm. It was beautiful, and she's still there, but um, she's so passionate about Jesus and has engaged in a lot of relationships, um, discipleship relationships with other ladies um, that are there. Um, there's another um, that same kind of thing that uh, was a great Lutheran mindset of doing good but now is really really pursuing uh, ministry in great form so it's it's fun to watch but otherwise um, there's one time when we had a project that we found out that wasn't done correctly and so we had to go and confess to the customer over um, in Indianapolis it was a big hospital huge project and that, that that was a point in time when I thought, okay, Lord, um, is this when you take this and take a different direction? Because it was substantial in terms of uh, the financial impact. Um, and, and the irony of it is, is that the person that had created the issue was a believer in the organization that denied involvement. And it was a very frustrating situation because everybody was looking in at this and going why why did you do this and um so it was challenging to kind of direct the attention upward that regardless of what happened here we're gonna have to go speak truth and then we're gonna have to deal with what comes out of it and so we went and confessed it um had expectations that it was going to be you know call your lawyer Mm. Um, get out of here um, and we'll see you in court but rather than that it was well we appreciate you coming and telling us um, is there a way we can fix it by working together and we were a little floored but we said sure um, we're ready to come to the table with all the corrective actions and do what we need to and then they asked us if we would do it in small bites so that the community wouldn't be disturbed that this new hospital was having more work done on what was already done. Um, and so we're like, well, yeah, that'd be great if we could do it in small bites. Let's just take care of the life safety stuff first. And so we did that and we worked hard for a full year of just making what was needed and paying for the company to put it up and make all the corrective actions. Um, that bill at the end of the day was well north of a million dollars. Hmm. And so we were, as we talked to the whole company, we shared what was going on with everybody. So they were engaged and knew what was before us. Um, so we, we said, you know, we're just going to stay the course and do the right thing because that's what we need to do. And at the end of that, um, fast forward another three months, and that year happened to be one of our best years as a company, um, in spite of having that much cost mm. that wasn't reimbursed to the organization. So we saw, we saw God move in a pretty mighty way of, of bringing things to supplant what was going out and it was an opportunity to praise god in front of everybody and give him credit yeah. for his goodness 
in what he does and state that it wasn't done because we did. It was done because he's good. And we need to praise him and thank him for just doing good. Yeah. So it was it was pretty amazing to watch. Um, but boy, I'll tell you what, that was a time of trial for yeah. sure. Yeah. That's good. One of the things I'm just uh, <clears throat> thinking as you're talking is the, um, I think a lot of people are disillusioned at work because, well, for a lot of reasons. Um, um, but sometimes it lacks something and mm-hmm. perhaps this is what it la- is lacking, you know, intentional gospel mission engagement. You're like, well, I'm just, you know, building computers all day. It's like, well, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. You know, we can engage differently. I have one more line of questioning um, and certainly can uh, bring up anything you'd like to as well. I, I, I aim for about an hour and we're pushing up against that. Um, what do pastors slash churches, church leadership not get about uh, their members being out there in the workplace not, you know, working full-time at the church. and mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is it's just that um, there's, there's sacred and secular in the mindsets of a lot of people, and the, the church lifestyle is sacred. That's where we go, and we worship, and we celebrate, and, and we talk about Jesus, and we're fired up, and it's good because it's edifying. Um but when you turn around, you walk back out of the trenches and you're surrounded by all that's going on in the world, there's a heaviness and a weight that it's, it's, it can be oppressive mm. from the standpoint of you, you don't feel like you have any control. Um, so I think some of it is how do we get to a place of um, helping people see that in the context of battle... Um, uh, one of my favorite movies is Rebel Soldiers, and there's a master sergeant in that movie that stands up all the time during the whole battle, and it's like he's fearless. And I think about that, that I always said, I want to be like that, um, but I want to be like that in the context of the gospel, is there's arrows and stuff, you know, when we talk about Ephesians, Right. There's stuff going on all around us, but we have to be focused on the mission. And so how do we bring this back to it's not some grand spectacular program. It's not some grand spectacular class. It's know the word and then identify who's in your life and go, right? Because it may only be two people. Um, We're not all called to preach We're not all called to teach, but we are called to the gospel and to go, right? So helping us understand that you just got to identify that this is your sovereign appointment where you're at. It's not a mistake, so don't miss it. Um, I'm a huge fan of John Piper's book, Don't Waste Your Life. Um, That's how I ended up being a pastor, by the way. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Because that's how you don't waste your life, apparently. Right. That's what I thought. Yeah. No, it's too late to reverse it I was going to say, how's that going? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that that's the thing is we can, we can also professionalize the gospel. And we have to recognize that, that you have a role, but it, you don't just 
you know, push your responsibilities off to the pastor. Um, I see people say, you need to come to our church. And it's like, okay, I, I get that. But no, you need to say to yourself, I'm going to show you the church right here, right now, because this is where you're at. Because you're not going to drag them in so that Donovan can preach the gospel to them. You need to live the gospel out with them. Well, my experience has been that I, I would say most people at Redeemer like my preaching. That's why they there, they're there. But their friends and family don't seem to appreciate it as much as they do. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, you got to hear this. And they're like, what? That's no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> just because you like something doesn't mean they will. Uh, but yeah, or even just numerically speaking, right? You're not, uh, you know, the staff guys or the elders aren't going to reach the city. You know, it's the, oh. it's the thousands of Christians unleashed into the workplaces and uh, play places and stuff like that. And we're part of that. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of people get that and uh, are getting that. Um, but, yeah, so churches need to be uh, helping people think through that. And, and this is part of that. This is why I'm platforming you. I want people to see that, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I'm literally sitting here thinking, oh, this guy's a better pastor than me. Oh, my goodness. No. Like, Will you coach me? <laughs> like, <laughs> like you're like vibrant ministry at, at work. And, uh, and that's good, you know, for people to see that and be inspired and and uh yeah have ideas mm-hmm. so yeah don't waste your life someone sent that my wife's sister actually sent that to me my wife and i had been re- recently married and, c- and converted mm-hmm. but uh not really living i mean we just kind of go to church sometimes and that was it no idea of like how to live on mission and look at our purpose and um so she sent us that book and i always joke this like you know She's like, I saw this book and thought of you. you know? uh. <laughs> You're wasting your life. <laughs> but I did read it, and mm-hmm. um, it was a page turner. I mean, it was time, I was throwing that book across the room, just screaming like, what? Like, and what it argues is that basically Christ is the center of the universe. Anything that's done in light of him is not a waste. Anything that's done outside of that consideration is a waste. And I realized I was wasting my life. Now, I, I believe I, I overreacted and said, well, that means I should be a pastor. Mm. And... Um, uh, but I believe also God ordained that overreaction to get me where I need to be. I do think I'm in the right place. And mm-hmm. I called my brother-in-law in California. I was like, man, I, I think, I think I'm, I'm going to, I need to be a pastor and, uh, I need to go into ministry. And I, now I joke that he should have said, you should try going to a ministry. Just go to one. You don't need to go into <laughs> ministry. Just start there. And, um, but anyway, great book. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's truth. It's, it's a great concept. And I was talking with a guy recently and, um, you know, he was, he's, you know, looking at retiring sometime in the next few years. And he said, I'm just wondering what my ministry is. And I was just really encouraged by that question. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, the, your time constraints, your opportunities, your culture or um, touch points with culture are going to change. I'm um, certainly, he'll be some leisure involved in there, but he's also like, what is my ministry? What, what is God calling me to do? You know? So I think Piper has a pamphlet called don't waste your retirement. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a playoff of that, you know, like, right. And uh, I don't know. I think there's a lot of unleashed potential there with reti- the retired community. Oh yeah. Um, to impact the world, the globe. Right. Um, because I think that too often they might be retiring from ministry as well, because that was the pattern of life up to that point, and now it's all shifted. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So we'll circle back in ten, fifteen years, and uh. We'll do another episode. Awesome. How, how you're stewarding your retirement. Okay. Very good. Um, so anything in particular that you were hoping we would touch base on? or 
No, I, I think, you know, we really hit a lot of it. It's just that, um, you know, just encourage everyone to realize that where they are is significant and it's God appointed. So embrace it yeah. for the gospel. So don't miss, you know, don't make things just common. Everything can be sacred if the spirit of God is in you. Excellent. So that's good. Okay. Well, Craig. Thank you for being here and uh, yeah, bless you and your ministry and what he's doing there and look forward to learning more from you. Like get to know right back to you. All right. Bye, Bye folks. Bye.